Go into the book of First John, chapter 3. What a deal. What a deal. What a deal. I have a um, picture frame there in my office, and the scripture that we'll read, what it does, it says, let me read this, and I'll tell you what that other one says. 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Uh, what I have is a picture frame there in my office. It says um, that the love of God should be lavished upon us. I think what we do, we hear about the love of God so much that it's just like water off a duck's back. We hear about salvation so much that it's a ho-hum kind of deal. It wasn't for John, the writer. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as Jesus is pure. Father, I ask and pray for your blessing upon the remainder of this service. Help me, Lord, to be able to deliver these truths to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. John writes to start this letter off in, first, in uh, John 1, 1, we have seen him, we have looked upon him. Our hands have touched him, the very word of life. In 1 John 3, 2, we shall see him as he is. In Acts 1, 11, Luke writes, this same Jesus shall come back again. Not somebody that looks like him, not somebody that acts like him, not an angel, not a cherubim, not a seraphim, the same one that ascended up into heaven will be the exact same one that will return. Amen. This same one. And John said, we have seen him. I walked with him, talked with him. I was there with him for three and a half years. I know what he is like, is what John is saying. I have seen him. And then John says, we shall see him. For 33 years, I've been bragging on Jesus. I've done it at breakfast. I've done it at lunch. I've done it at dinner time. I bragged on Jesus in planes, trains, and automobiles. I bragged on Jesus in churches, in all types of churches, in community buildings, in tents, I bragged on Jesus in people's homes, in nursing homes, in funeral homes. I bragged on Jesus in a Walmart store. I bragged on Jesus in hardware stores. I bragged on Jesus in grocery stores. I bragged on Jesus in the morning and at noon and at nighttime. I bragged on Jesus when I felt good 
And I bragged on Jesus when I didn't feel so good. I bragged on Jesus when the sun is shining, and I bragged on Jesus when it's pouring down rain. I have preached over 3,000 sermons, and you're thinking it looks like you'd be better at it by now. It is what it is. You're stuck with me. I don't know how tall Jesus is. I don't know how much Jesus weighs. I don't know what he looks like, but John certainly did. He said, we have seen him and we shall see him. And although I've never seen him, I've seen him in this book. Although I've never seen him, I've seen him in the lives and sometimes even in the faces of the people at Orchardville Church. Those that are faithful, I see Jesus in that. Those that volunteer, I see Jesus in that. In 1 John 4, we love him because he first loved us and goes right back to behold what manner of love the father has bestowed has lavished upon us it should not be a whole hum type game to you it should be i cannot believe how much god has even loved me and therefore, when the church asks me to do something, I should be more than willing to do that because of the amount of love that Jesus has bestowed and lavished upon me. We should be more than willing to volunteer. Amen. We should be more than willing to volunteer. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> there should not be one single department in all of Orchardville Church, whether it is here, whether it's Centralia, whether it's Fairfield, there should not be one department that lacks a volunteer. Shouldn't be one. Shouldn't be one. There should be people lining up to do what is asked of them. Why? Because behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed and lavished upon me. I want to give some back. And when you sign up to do a job, it's going to be an outrageous an outrageous, an outrageous thought. But when you sign up to do a job, show up. Wow. See, I don't want to put anything on the top shelf. I want to put it down here, the cookie jars down here low where everybody can get it. You can understand that. When you sign up, show up. Let's be interactive in this. This will help you learn. <laughs> when I sign up, I will show up. 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 Sign up and then show up. 
Behold, what manner of love. This is what he's saying in today's vernacular. What a deal. John's saying, what a deal that God gave his very best and all I've got to do is volunteer from time to time and be faithful in that and be counted worthy in that. What a deal. Preacher, I'm going to volunteer. Well, if that's your heart and thank God for it, you see George Thomason at the end of this service. And if you're over at Centralia, you need to see, who do we need to see over there? Mike Bookout. And if you're over at Fairfield, see Melissa Garrison. As soon as the service is over, go to them and say, I want to volunteer. Preacher, I want to sit soaking sour. <laughs> Some of you doing a fine job. First John 3, 2, for we shall see him as he is. I like the confidence in that. We shall see him. That's what John said. It's not woulda, coulda, shoulda, maybe, might, might, I don't know, uh, according to how I feel that day. We shall see him is what he said. Preacher, I'm hoping and praying you're not going to see him. Preacher, I'm trying to live a good life. You're not going to see him. Preacher, I paid my taxes. You're not going to see him. Preacher, I'm good to my grandma. You're not going to see him. Preacher, I'm a good person. You're not going to see him. Preacher, I received Jesus as my Savior. You shall see him. You shall see him. You shall see him. Jamie Lowe has seen him as he is. Lonnie Lawler has seen him as he is. Francis McCormick has seen him as he is. Monty Dash has seen him as he is. Jackie Shell has seen him as he is. Iris Shell has seen him as he is. Ronnie Braddock has seen him as he is. Dick Fairchild has seen him as he is. Doug Arbuckle has seen him as he is. Dorothy Sizzlekowski has seen him as he is. Gary Bright has seen him as he is. Jim Smith has seen him as he is. Dale Crutzinger has seen him as he is. Dolores Loker has seen him as he is. Michael Bartley has seen him as he is. Thank God for that. We shall see him. We will see his scars. The only man-made thing in heaven. My scars won't be there. But we know that his scars will be there. And forever and ever and ever, we'll be able to look at those scars in his hands and his feet and that scar in his side and know because of those scars, because of that poured out blood, I am in heaven forever and ever and ever. How can I express my love for the Lord Jesus? I want you to go in your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're liking John throughout this whole thing. We like John a lot. Now go to John 14. 
Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the person that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved to my father and I will love him. Preacher, are you saying that keeping God's commandments saves you? Absolutely not. The law has never been able to save anyone, not even in the Old Testament. The law cannot save. The law was never meant to save. The law is given to show that sin is exceeding sinful. There's a point I thought of last week off and on. Any church that allows babies to cry and does nothing about it, I don't think they love the people. Oh, no, no, pastor, you're looking at it wrong. They love, they love people so much that they won't ever say anything. I don't think they love the people. I was at Fairfield a few weeks back preaching at the very outset. I seemed I was going to have trouble. So in my prayer, God, if there's anybody, <laughs> it's how I, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Here's a secret. Here, I'm, I'm tipping my hand here. I'm not holding it close to the vest. I'm tipping my hand. If I think I'm going to have trouble, you're going to hear this prayer. Lord, if there's anybody in here who's got a crying baby, you steal that baby. Now, let me give you an interpretation of that. The interpretation of that is, Lord, I'm praying, but that, that parent... They realize how important what we're doing here is, and when that baby cries, they're willing to take that baby outside. As in, not outside in the gravel, but outside this room. <laughs> and we got, a, we got a cry room set up for that. So there's a reason why I do that. It's because I want everybody to be able to hear and not be distracted. Okay. I seen that was going to be the problem. I prayed my prayer and went good about half the service, and the rest of the service it was, and immediately I could see everybody over there on that side. They just had a frigid, horrid look on their face. It was like they had gas or something just to look. I didn't say anything. After the service, I had three people come up to me and say, Preacher, we are so proud of you. Oh, we just knew your head was going to explode. We were just so proud of you. I wasn't. I wasn't proud at all. I went home that night thinking, Preacher, you chickened out. Because I really believe what I'm saying, what Orchardville Church is trying to do, is of utmost importance. Amen. And you could offer $10,000 to those people on that side of that building, and I could offer $10,000 to each one of them to tell me, what was it I preached after that baby started crying? Oh, we don't know. 
We don't know because we were so distracted by the baby and we were just, just distracted thinking that you was just really going to come down on that child. We, we just, we don't know. We don't know. Somebody, this is my rule of thumb, somebody's going to be rude. Either you and let the baby cry and do nothing. I don't know why that happens, but it does. Or else I'm going to be rude and ask you to go out the room. I'm too much of a gentleman to allow you to be rude. I'm going to be the rude one. I've made up my mind. Thanks, Scotty. So the next time this happens, I'm going to have it in the back of my mind. Scotty, amen me on that. So that's when I'm going to, I've got backup. I got backup. See, the law, once the law has been given, the law shows again how exceeding sin is. It is exceeding sinful. When you're driving 65, and the law says, the, stop, the, the road sign says 55, immediately when you see that sign, you look in your rearview mirror. You're looking around. You wouldn't even give it a thought, but the moment you've seen the sign, now what you're doing in breaking the speed limit, it becomes exceeding wrong. And you've, there it is. And you've got to figure out whether you're going to go ahead and try it or not. The plumb line that you put on a wall... If that wall is out of line, that plumb line does not make it out of line. The plumb line shows that it's out of line. The plumb line cannot fix the wall. The speed limit sign cannot make you go the correct speed. You look in a mirror and your face is all dirty. It ain't the mirror's fault. It's just showing what's there. You look in that mirror and you say, oh, look, you're so beautiful. The mirror ain't got nothing to do with that. Or if you look in that mirror and say, where, where, where has, instead of where have all the flowers gone, I just thought, of, where has all the hair gone? <laughs> That's not the mirror's fault. And the mirror can't fix that. The law cannot fix you. The law as a mirror shows that we're dirty. The law as a plumb line shows that we're crooked. The law as a speed limit shine, sign shows that we are guilty. Give you, uh, let me give you something. Let me read it real quick. It's in there in, in John 14, in verse uh, 21. Read it again. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved to my Father. And, now watch this. And I will love him. Well, don't God already love us? For God so loved the world. And then God's saying, if you love me, I'll love you. If you love me and keep my commandments, yeah, yeah. God is love, number one. Number two, I love God. Number three, I, because of that love, I keep his commandments. Number four, God then loves me. For God so loved the world, number one. Number two, I receive that love. Number three, because of that love, I keep his commandments. Number four, God then loves me. Let me illustrate. 
few Wednesday nights ago, we had Ronnie and Phyllis Gerard here. Ronnie gave his testimony, awesome testimony. He's given over at Centralia. We've got him booked to give his testimony over at Fairfield Branch. Here's what Ronnie said about Phyllis. I think Phyllis was a senior in high school and Ronnie was a junior, I think was how the story went. The very first time he seen her was in a high school setting, like maybe a, a basketball game or a pep rally or something like that, and said she came out with the rest of the girls, the cheerleaders in her cheerleading outfit. And by the way, the way that woman looks right now, I would say in high school, yeah, she was, I'd say she was a hot babe. <laughs> Ronnie said, the very first time I seen her. Love at first sight. Love at first sight. In, now, think of this. How much time have I got? Think of this. What if Ronnie would have ran after her that day? I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. We're going to get married. Mm, don't say that would be a good thing. No. Love at first sight. Ronnie saw her. Love at first sight. He began doing a few things to get her attention, and before it was over, Phyllis then loved Ronnie. After that, they were married. Ronnie then loved Phyllis. Now, I'm going to go over that again. Ronnie is love. Phyllis loves Ronnie. Because of that love, they got married. Ronnie then loves Phyllis. When we are willing, yes, God loves us. And when we say we love God and we're willing to keep his commandments, God then loves us. And I could probably use another word and even solidify this in your mind. God then blesses us. Amen. See, God loves everybody. But the moment we return that love, I mean, Phyllis has been, lived in all these different states, been to all these different places on vacation, all of this, because she returned that love, they were married, and then Ronnie loved Phyllis. God loves you and will love you and love you and love you till the very end of your breath. The Bible says that God loves with an everlasting love. God loves and a person can live their whole life and never return that love, and how sad that would be. But the moment we return that love, start keeping his commandments, doing what God requires of us to do, then God takes you places you've never been before. D.L. Moody said, give your life to Jesus because he can do more with it than you can. Amen. Amen. Because of our love, we keep his commandment. Some teenage girls, teenage girls, you listen to me? Some teenage girls that was out on the town, 
And they begin drinking. All of them begin drinking except one, and one would not do it. And one of the girls questioned her and said, you afraid your dad will hurt you? And she answered back, no, I'm afraid I'd hurt my dad. That's true Christianity right there. It's not, oh, what I can get by with. Mm -mm. What a deal. I had to get this book because I thought of something. I've given this book for uh, John Luce to read. And then I thought of something yesterday that I hadn't read in this book in a long time. And I'm hoping there it is. There it is. John Todd was very young when the death of his parents left him orphaned. He was one of several children, he was, which was, and as was common in the early 1800s. He and all his siblings were farmed out to relatives. And Anne offered to take little John. She sent a servant by the name of Caesar to bring John to her. The boy climbed on the back of the horse, wrapped his small arms around the man, and set out for the house. His questions showed his fears. Will she be there? Oh, yes, Caesar assured. She'll be there waiting up for you. Well, I like living with her. My son, you're going to be in good hands. Will she love me? The servant was patient and soft in his reply. Oh, she's got a big heart. Do you think she'll go to bed before we get there? Oh, no. She'll be sure to wait up. You'll see when we get out of these woods, you'll see her candle in the window. Sure enough, as they neared the house, John saw a candle in the window and his aunt standing in the doorway. As he shyly approached the porch, she reached down and kissed him and said, Welcome home. Young John Todd grew up in his aunt's care. She was a mother to him. When the time came for him, uh, years later, uh, he followed a calling into the pastorate and pastored a big church in Philadelphia. In time, the role with his aunt was reversed. She sent news of her failing health and her impending death. Here's what John Todd wrote in reply. My dear aunt, years ago I left the house of death not knowing where I was to go, whether anyone cared, whether it would be the end of me. The ride was long, but the servant encouraged me. Finally, I arrived to your embrace and a new home. I was expected. I felt safe. You did it all for me. Now it's your turn to go, my dear aunt. I'm writing to let you know someone is waiting up. Your room is ready. The light is on. The door is open. And Jesus is expecting you. What a deal. Faith is what a deal. What a deal to have faith and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And we can experience that. And again, I mentioned this last week. People say, oh, that's easy believism. It wasn't easy for Jesus to die on the cross. Somebody had to pay. And thank God he did. Bow your heads, please. For those that are going to be baptized, now would be the time for you to get ready, please, if you would. Father, what a deal. What a deal salvation is. 
for whosoever, 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 any person in this building, any person in this building can cry out to you and you will reach down to them in love and forgiveness. Any person, any person, whosoever will. And God, if there is that person here this morning that they've never said yes to you as Savior, God, this is so vitally important for them to do this. It's the difference between heaven and hell. And I'm praying, God, that you knock on their heart, you speak to their life, and let them know that today is their day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a love forgetting my failures There's a hope that's setting me free There's a light defeating my darkness There's redemption calling and causing all to sing. And Father, will you come and open up our eyes and fill us with your heart, renew us with your life, consume us with your majesty. Consume us with your majesty yeah. There's a peace that's calming my water There's a joy replacing my grief. He's a light defeating my darkness. And there's redemption calling. Causing all to sing Father, will you come and Open up our eyes And fill us with your heart Renew us with your life Consume us with your majesty Consume us with your majesty Singing Father, Open up our eyes Fill us with your heart Renew us with your life Consume us with your majesty Consume us with your majesty
belongs to you, glory and honor and power belongs to you, glory that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.